Contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Brad Hebner, and I'm here with my co-host, Eric Triplett, and welcome to Hammer and Grind, the podcast built for contractors, real contractors, true stories, real solutions. Hey, at the end of the show, do us a favor and uh, share this with some other contractors so they can benefit. Give us a like and uh, follow us for more content. Uh, We want to remind you about our free Facebook group we got going on, the Contractor Profit Group. Go in there, check it out connect with other contractors and get help in your business. Or if you want to step your business up to the next level, check out our paid coaching group called The Profit Club. All kinds of things happening in there, taking contractors and and, uh, making their business awesome. So you can find out more about that at hammerandgrind.com forward slash The Profit Club. Today, we're going to be talking about contractor school ain't cool. Eric, before you say something, what year did you graduate from contractor school? From contractor school? Yeah, was it like in the 60s? I graduated from the School of Hard Knocks. Yeah, but what, what year did you graduate from the contractor school? There ain't no contractor school, son. What? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> well, that's, what, that's the problem. Well, you're, I'm going to date myself right now. I graduated in 86. I'm an old bastard, I know. But listen, back when I was in school... You could take automotive and wood shop and, you know, you could do these other kind of trades in school. You know, like, God forbid someone, some kid cuts their finger off in school, so we just got to get rid of the, all the trade schools. I mean, come on, what's going on? I mean, that's, that's part of the decline of, of the fact that it's hard to get good contractors in there. There's, I mean, there's never been a better time in the history of the world to be a contractor right now. It is crazy out there. It's like sharks circling, you know, the the fresh meat in the water, the blood in the water is just, there's so much business to be had right now. It's it's truly staggering. I mean, because I'm old enough, I've been through a couple of different downs and recessions and like literally we're in, we're at 12 year run right now, right? I mean, usually every 10 years, there's a decline in, in the economy, right? We're at 12 years right now. Still, like money's being printed like crazy, whatever. Like, if you're not crushing it in your contracting business right now, then you're really gonna you suck. I mean, you're really gonna take a hit when the economy dips, and you better be prepared because it's it's the writing's on the wall. Well, yeah, I mean, if you could literally not have a clue what you're doing, start a contractor business, and actually be successful, right? It's it's so crazy right now. But here's what's crazy. Eric, I started my business in 2009. That was right in the middle of the recession, the the housing market crash, right? I mean, contractors were running out of the trades and I was running into the trades. Think of some like Mel Gibson movie where he's like running into the battlefield. Like that was me coming in. Don't try and compare yourself to freaking Mel Gibson, bro. Come on. I know it's not fair to me. <laughs> it's like Braveheart shit right there. <laughs> well, you know, well, it's funny because you mentioned, you mentioned 2009, 2008 when, when the dip was. I mean, I, I was in, 
we were just cranking in 2003. Like we were literally doing 100 ponds a year. It was just like crazy. And we, we could barely keep up with it. And we were hiring and all this stuff. And that's kind of like the same we're at now, only this is more crazy than back in 2003. Like it's more people are throwing money at you in a different way, right? But in 2008, when the crash happened, I, I somehow wrote it out because I'm just, you cut me and I got pond water bleeding through my veins. Like I'm just not into ponds, right? But all the guys who were in that were like in the, the thick of it, because there was so much business, they didn't know how to handle it. They went back to work for other people. They shut their doors down. And for like three years, 2008, 9, 10, 11, like I kind of had the market to myself again. And then they all started to come back in 2012, right? But I wrote it out. So, I mean, that, that's, it's crazy. That's what's going to happen again real soon. In, in the next couple of years, I don't know when it is. I'm not predicting it. I'm not Nostradamus, but I'm just telling you a 12-year market like this, it's, it's, down, it's bound to decline at some point. And, and I just want to kind of encourage contractors to kind of get their shit together because if they don't have their shit together right now and they're just winging it and just counting money because the stuff's coming in, they're, they're in for a, a rude awakening and a surprise soon. Well, yeah, especially for the newer ones that aren't doing any marketing, they're not doing any branding, you know what I mean? They're not setting their business up for success. So once the phone stops ringing, what are they going to do then? You know what I mean? So again, you'd have to be really, really, really bad to not be successful right now. And so the, the bad thing is that the guys that are coming in, you know, in the last year, two years, like it's like, oh man, this, this contracting thing's easy. Like, I don't know what everybody's complaining about. Like, it's easy to go out there and find work. All I had to do was, you know, put myself on Facebook and I get all kinds of work. I put a magnet on my truck. <laughs> <laughs> so what are they going to do whenever whenever the, the leads run out? You know what I mean? Whenever the phone stops ringing. Yeah. You know, it, it's crazy. You know, this reminds me of a story. Like, I remember, I, f- I followed Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk for a long time and I remember hearing a story about when the 2008 thing hit and he was crushing it, like literally crushing it. If you know Gary V, that was his first book, Crush It. He was like in Italy buying on a buying wine trip. And back in 2000, you know, early 2008, 2007, he would just go out there and just be like throwing money at people. And I'll take 10 cases of this. I'll take seven cases of this and take 20 cases of that. And like, that's how he was buying back then. And it was 2008 and he's in Italy on a buying trip. And he got a tip like, hey, we're in trouble. Something's going on. The economy's dipping. Just, we, you know, you need to be careful on your spending. And he was all of a sudden like, oh, I'll take a case of this and a case of that. Like he, he, he got, he, he had the intuition as well. I mean, he's always famous for, but he was still able to write it out. But that's what happens. You go from, from buying 20, 30, 40 cases, 100 cases at a time to like, I'll take a case of this and case of that because that's what, that's what happens when the dip hits. Well, that's why we tell people, you know, uh, we've had contractors we've talked to and they want to go out and buy a new truck and pay $1,000 a month for a $70,000 truck. And we're like, hold on there. You know, yeah, you might be breaking in the dough right now because the phone's ringing and you're doing jobs. But whenever the phone stops ringing and now you're only working three days a week instead of five days a week because there's not enough work, that $1,000 truck payment's going to hurt a hell of a lot more. So here's an interesting fact right now. The way our the way our company is, I just paid off my truck, I don't know, probably six months ago, my personal truck. And it's got like 250,000 on it. It's got a bunch of miles. 
it's still a sexy beast. It still pulls. It's still a good truck. And then, you know, I was considering getting a new truck, but you know, I, this is what I kind of evaluate. It's like, hey, I went through 2008. You know, I went through some slow times before that and starting my business off. So I'm kind of aware of this stuff. So I literally have bought two used trucks for to like help increase my fleet, helping help scale my business, but without getting that, you know, $500,000, $700,000 a month payment per truck. But I just felt it was a nice move. It's a nice little, nice little pilot truck, smaller, you know, Ford Ranger to run my, run my teams out. So, you know, I'm, I'm being thoughtful about those things. I'd love to get, go out and get a brand new, you know, F-350 Lariat for my truck, but this doesn't make sense. Like I'm, I'm too aware of, you know, the potential for, for slowing down. Well, I think a lot of contractors, like I said, they they're the money's rolling in right now because it's so good, and they they get so cash heavy, you know, debt heavy as far as what their uh, cash flow is, or they got all these, you know, oh, I got to pay a new truck, I got to get a new trailer, I got to get a new tools, I got to do this, I got to do that. Really, what they should be doing is trying to become debt free in their business. And we can have discussions about whether you debt's good or bad and all that stuff, and it doesn't matter. But a lot of these guys that are small, you need to stay small. I don't mean like not grow. I mean with the expenses, you need to stay small with your expenses as long as you possibly can. I call it stay lean. I mean, I, I don't want yeah, to stay small. Like st- grow and push, and, and but but stay lean. And that's basically what I did. You know, I could have gone out and got a new truck. There's all kinds of rebates and like low percentages and all this stuff. And, and now you know might be a good move, but staying lean is important because I don't want to you know, a thousand dollar truck payment or two $1,000 truck payments for, you know, 60 months or whatever going into something that could be potential. But listen, Brad, this is not, I don't know how this got sidetracked into the end of the world podcast. You know, that's not what this is about. What this is about is contracting school ain't cool. And, and there is no, there's really no contracting school. Like you can't go to school to become a contractor because there's, Contracting is too diverse. You can take a business course, a construction business course, and kind of learn some things. If you want to get your contractor's license, you can go to a contracting license school. They'll guarantee that you will get your contractor's license because they'll train you and teach you how to pass the test and and you know get your license and that kind of stuff. But it's so diverse, it's so wide, it's really crazy, and it's unfortunate that in today's world. Like we're not teaching this kind of stuff. I mean, who's gonna who's gonna make the world spin? Who's gonna build the roads? Who's gonna build the houses? Who's gonna provide electricity to to this huge world? You know, if if we don't teach people how to do these crafts. But I I also disagree with you that what we were talking about earlier is important because no one contractors don't learn that ca- about cash flow. They don't learn about staying lean. They don't learn about any of that stuff because they don't go to business school. So it is important to understand that you shouldn't be wasting money just because the money's coming in. So it ties in with the, with the comp, the topic of today, which is about contractor school. So valid point, uh, valid point. I'll give you that. It is important, but see, I I think that you know there's no contracting school like we're talking about, right? It's really a school of hard knocks. You know, you get into the craft and it kind of goes back to school. Like when you're in junior, you know, you're, you're a junior or you're, uh, you know, a freshman in school, like they're just teaching you how to be on a computer and how to, you know, do this tech stuff. But like, and you get out of school and you're in debt, you go to college, you learn how to be this tech person. And then you're all of a sudden 200 grand in debt trying to do this stuff. 
and they didn't teach you any real world like like literally you could you could be a linesman and make 90 grand a year and just like just because you know the trade why aren't they teaching this in school like they've completely ignored that and and that's that's really disturbing to me well because when i was in school it was all about going to college and getting a degree i mean that's that's what they pushed right so I mean, now there now there is a push for trades. Now there's like there's a big push on social media and all this stuff about why you can go it's straight into trades. It's not big enough. It's not big enough. It's not I even agree close. With you. Yeah, I I agree with you, but it's it's I'm saying it's coming. It's actually finally getting some traction. The last ten years, you never even heard anything about it. I I personally don't feel any traction. I mean, I I don't. I'm curious where you're finding this. I'm not doubting you. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm just saying I, I personally haven't felt traction on this. I still feel like, so. I mean, it's so hard to get an apprentice. Like if you take on an apprentice, you literally have to teach them everything. You have to teach them to get work boots. You have to teach them to not have mustard on the front of their shirt. Like, like literally, bro, you're going to come to work with mustard on your shirt like this? We're going to work. You're in shorts and have like no boots on? Where's your, you don't have a lunch? Like it's so basic. Like, you, like if I want an apprentice, I literally have to train them from the ground up from nothing. Well, what I was saying before you cut me off, Eric, was in our town, we have a trade school, a vocational school for high school. So when you're junior or senior year, you can go to the trade school and learn a trade. So it, it actually teaches that in school. Well, I'm in California, bro. So they're not doing that yet over here. Well, I know that. That's what I'm saying. So it, it, it is happening. I mean, we're, I'm in the Midwest, so it's a little more, you know, blue collar-ish, if you will, blue collar friendly. But they're, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like they're learning every single thing they could possibly know. But when they're coming out of that school, they know how to, like, when I was in high school, I went to vocational school for architectural drawing. So I learned how to, like, basically, I, I thought I wanted to be an architect. So my junior and senior year, I had three credit hour classes on uh, architectural drawing. And in our town, we had a program where all the different trades would actually build a uh, house, a real house. So our class would design the house. The, you know, the carpentry class uh, vocation would build the house and you had electricians and plumbers and all that stuff. I mean, some of the things they would sub out to real contractors but the school corporation would build as much of this house as possible. And it was real hands-on experience. That's pretty killer. I love that. That sounds awesome. And so I don't, I don't know if they still build houses today, but they still have a vocational technical, they call it a technical training or something, technical school or whatever. But we have that locally. I don't know about other places in the country. They probably don't do that anymore because a kid fell off a ladder. They're like, oh, can't do this anymore. The only bad thing about that for me as a hiring perspective is a lot of the real big companies, industrial construction companies, they sponsor those programs. And so it's like a funnel for them. You know what I mean? So there's like really no chance of me getting any of those kids out of the class unless they just don't want to work in big industrial sure. setting. Well, that's interesting. I mean, but here that the generation that's coming out they don't. They don't necessarily want to be in that gen, in in that industrial spot. They they want they want their weekends off. They want a little bit of free time. They want paid time off. They like, they're they're they might not get, they might not get the special attention. Like, wow, you really did a great job today. Like, dude, some of the some of the kids that work for me today, they're not even the kids. They're like, 
29, 30 years old. It's not a kid to me anymore. But like, literally, you have to tell them how good a job they're doing every 10 minutes. Like, oh my God, you carried a piece of wood to me. Good job, Johnny. You know, and then, and then they're like, they pull the wheelbarrow over and you're like, oh my God, you're so good at that wheelbarrow. Like, they, they need that kind of stuff. I mean, that, I'm, I'm, I'm just being real, bro. I'm not trying to, I'm not downplaying any of that. It's just like, that's, that's the nature of what's happening now. So like, I don't think that all these kids doing this, they're, they're, they're still programmed a little bit different. And maybe it's a sl- slow change back into the, the hardcore, you know, construction workers. When, when I came up in this, I didn't get no good job, Johnny. I got like, what took you so long, you piece of shit? Hurry up. You know, no, we're not breaking for lunch for another hour. Like it, like it was a lot tougher. So I think, I don't know, there's, it's just a weird change. Well, you would be uh, proud to know that when I had my apprentice this summer, I was like that. I would yell at him. I would be like telling him, if you, if you screw that up, I'm going to punch you right in the balls. And he'd be up on a ladder and I'd be like this. I had my fist back. Like I'm getting ready to punch him in the butt. I mean, I'm just messing with him. Well, how, how's he doing now? Is he doing good for you? <laughs> he's, a good, he's a good dude. Is he still working for you? He, well, he's back in college. but oh, he works. oh, he doesn't work for you anymore. No, he does. He works Monday and Friday for me. Oh, okay, cool. He's in college, so he he. It was a real apprentice apprenticeship. He oh, had to okay, do cool. it for, for college because he's taking college tech. He's going to college for college tech, but they teach him like a little bit of everything. It's kind of thirty thousand foot view, and they really don't teach him anything specific. So, I mean, they teach him how to do AutoCAD and framing, and electrical, and plumbing, and drywall, and estimating, and you know, all this stuff that none of it in it by itself is enough to help them, but it just kind of gets their feet wet of experience of all across the board. And then they can kind of specialize, I guess, after that, what they want to. I mean, this is, this all stems into like, basically I want to, I want to go back to wood shop and to automotive and those kind of things. It's like when that happened 150 years ago, when I was in school, like, those teachers were teaching you work ethic. They were teaching you to follow through. They were teaching you completion of, of projects, you know, like that, like it's, it's, it's a kind of a big deal. And so that's slowly declined. And so we don't get that as much anymore. And this is, this is probably one of the biggest reasons why 96% of contracting businesses fail within the first decade. Cause they, they're just not equipped. There is no like contractor school. Like they, they haven't been taught the work ethic. They didn't have to, they haven't been, they've taught these little tiny things of all the different aspects of business, but not enough to be good at it. It's just a change, man. I mean, everybody now, the kids now, they all want to be streamers. Like every single one of them want to be full-time professional gamers and stream. That's, that's their dream. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's not, it's just like being a professional baseball player. Like you're going to have like 2% of the people are going to be able to actually do that and make a living. Right. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because here's the thing, Lo. So I wanted to be a professional baseball player when I was when I was a young man, when I was a boy, right? And then you're too you're too, you're too short, Eric. You couldn't play baseball. Well, I know, but still, my desire was there, but and I was okay with that. I was like, oh, I'm too short. I'm too slow. I, I can't. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I can't hit the ball. I can. I can catch shit on third base all day long, except the ones I can't die for that are because I'm not. I'm only. Five nine, in a little bit, you know. Like I'm not six foot, so I I don't have the stretch, right? So like I couldn't hit a curveball for anything. Like it, I just I didn't have it, right? And so I was like, okay, this is not for me. I got to go find something else I'm good at, right? 
But so like I still was taught perseverance and and follow through and completion and you know like these kind of things I learned from my woodshop teacher and from automotive and those kind of things. And I think that's kind of what's lacking a little bit in today. And again, that's why contractors struggle so much. You have to be you have to be you have to want it bad. You have to be you have to want it bad enough. And you have to be almost in a spot where of, of desperation where like winning is the only way out, you know? And, and, and that's how the contractors, the, that 4% that make it past the decade, that's how they pull it off. Well, I think if we're being honest, hardly anyone says, when I grow up, I want to be a contractor, right? I mean, it's just not, it's, that just doesn't happen. They usually fall into it as a consequence of maybe actions they took as youth. Maybe they got into trouble. Maybe they got some, you know, misdemeanors or felonies or whatever. Maybe they had a hard time. Maybe they're an alcoholic. Like they, they a lot of people get into the trades as a fallback because you, you can get a job fairly easy in the trades. Now, you can debate on whether or not you can keep the job, but I mean, you could almost walk outside, go to Home Depot, find a contractor and catch a job, right? Anybody can catch a job. So it's, it's easy to do. So I don't, I don't know that there's a large percentage of people that, that are like, I want to be a contractor when I grow up, unless it's like a generational thing. I mean, I, I interviewed a kid today for a position and he, is a, his, he, would, he will be a fourth generation carpenter. That's cool. I do like that. And it's, it's interesting that you say that because I went from, I want to be a baseball player when I grew up. And, and this makes me smile because I think about Derek Jeter. Like literally he was seven. And he's like, he wasn't just like, I want to be a you know professional baseball player when I grow up. Derek Jeter was literally like, I'm going to be the shortstop for the New York Yankees when I grow up. That's Derek Jeter. I don't know if you know that story, but it's pretty special. I've heard it before. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's amazing right there. Right. So for me, I was like, Hey, I'm going to be a professional baseball player. I don't, I don't care. The blue Jays, the A's, the reds, like, I don't care. I just want to be a professional baseball player. I wasn't that specific. And you know, when I figured out I was too short, too slow, couldn't hit a curveball. I'm like, okay, well I'll be a musician. So I was like a rock star. I was like, I'm going to grow my hair long. I'm going to put on some makeup and I'm going to put on some spandex I'm showing my age right now, bro. And I'm going to be a rock star, right? And then it's funny because you said that. It's like, it, 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 I didn't say I want to be a contractor when I grow up. It was a consequence of like the way my life was going. You know, I didn't end up jail. I wasn't a felon. I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't like, that wasn't happening. But, you know, like life settled in. I had to go out on my own. I had to get my own place. I had a girlfriend. My girlfriend was like, hey, I don't really like you, you know, being out in Hollywood, you know, every Friday and Saturday night trying to get the show. The girls want you, you know, so I was like, oh, I got to get a job, you know? And, and so like that, that was the, that was just the the natural cycle of life. And so suddenly I, my dad was a, he was a production guy for a big construction company. He got me a job and all of a sudden I'm in construction, you know, and that's just how I fell into it. And, and I made pretty decent money. I would say that a lot of people that are in construction typically are outdoor people. Like they, they like being outdoors. They like working with their hands. I mean, that, I think it's pretty safe to say that some people either like sitting behind a desk or they like doing something physical, right? And, it, and that can be like, I mean, that can be like stocking shelves at a grocery store is physical. But other people are like, I want to create things with my hands. I want to be able to take something from nothing and make something out of it. I mean, I think that's the type of 
mentality or, or passion you got to have to be successful in the construction field to where you don't hate it. You know, some people do the jobs. It doesn't matter what it is. They do it because they have to and they hate every second of it until something else better comes along, right? But I think if you truly want to be in the trades, you got to be like an outdoor type person or enjoy working outdoors or enjoy working with your hands, you know, or, you know, being creative or, or being able to, to make things. Like you, maybe you're more like a, an inventor type person where you like to just, you know, tinker and make things. Like you have to have those kind of personalities to really excel uh, in construction. But if you're like, I just want to sit behind a computer and look at a screen all day, like you're probably not going to have the right mentality to work in construction like in the trades. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's cool. Like, you know, we're a landscape contractor. We're outdoors all the time. I am an outdoor guy. I like to hike. I like the ocean. I like the beach, you know, all that stuff. And it's, it's interesting because like the younger guys that come onto my team, the apprentices and things like that, often I'll be like, they've been here for a month. I'm like, Hey, what's your favorite thing so far? Hey, what do you like doing the most? You know, what, you know, what resources do you need to become a better employee? Well, how can I help you? Like I ask these kind of questions. Um, and, and most of them are like, it's really cool that like we're, we're working by the beach one day and then we're working in the mountains and then we're out in the desert. And then, you know, it's, it's like, we're traveling, we're meeting new people. And so like, they get this really fun sense of like meeting new people and, and making people smile and, and fixing people's problems, providing these amazing solutions. And people are like, buying us lunch and stuff like that. It's like, it's pretty gratifying in that, in that respect. And, and you don't learn that in contractor school because you don't learn, like there's a lot of psychology behind this. I want I want to talk right now, Brad, if we can just segue into like what, what you need to learn in con. If I, if I was going to start a contracting school, which Brad, please don't say we're going to start that next. Cause I don't have time. I don't want to do that shit right now. I don't want to start a school. Hey. We're starting that next week. No, no, I don't want to start school yet. But like the curriculum, like I want to discuss like what what could be part of the curriculum in in the school and like a deep part of the curriculum, not like, hey, you need to know numbers, you know, one plus one and and some, you know, and mark it up this, like a a deep dive curriculum. Uh, Well, you didn't tell me I was doing this, so I didn't prepare for a curriculum. All right, I'll I'll get it started then. So listen, so... First thing, you do need to know some math. You need to know your numbers. You know, like they don't even teach kids how to balance their checkbook, let alone like learn how to estimate correctly and balance your checkbook and profit first accounting for taxes and stuff like that. You're not going to learn that anywhere. You have to like get your ass kicked in the business for a few years ago. How can I, I can't like profit first accounting and, and bidding like, that part of the numbers is should be a really deep dive part of the curriculum. Uh, for sure. Obviously, marketing. And you don't necessarily have to know how to do marketing, but you need to understand like enough that you can hire someone to do your marketing if you mm-hmm. want to do that. But you got to understand some basic stuff behind marketing, right? Like you need to have it. You need to create a brand. This is important when you're starting your business. What are you going to name your business? What's the brand going to be? Like those things... Most people don't even think about until three years into their business. Are we talking about like if someone's going to go to contractor school and then start their own business or they started their own business and now they're going to go into school to learn? What's the, this, set the stage for me? This is blowing my mind. I'm, I'm excited to get this started next week. Start this construction school we're talking about. No, I mean... <laughs> don't, don't even joke about it. People be like, oh, sign me up. Yeah, sign let's me do up. it. No, like really, 
it would be cool if, if you went like, hey, I want to start a construction business. I'm coming to school. And like, okay, like, let's figure out your name. You know, that, that's important, right? And, and you said, hey, they don't even figure out they need to brand or market correctly until three years in. And by that time, they're like Johnny, Johnny Rotten's con, you know, handyman construction services. Like, okay, dude, that name's not going to work. Let's change it. They're like, oh, I can't change it. I've been doing this for three years. Like, no, dude. Like, you should have went to construction school. You should have went to hammer and grind contracting school. <laughs> don't even start that stuff. Let's talk about psychology. You have, you have, and, and, and that leads right into sales. Like you need to learn, you need to understand people. Like, dude, when I, when I did a deep dive into sales and understood the psychology behind communicating with clients and stuff like that, my marriage actually got better. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's how critical some of this stuff can be. Some of the nuances that you learn in business through the school of hard knocks, the hammer and grind construction contracting school, RS. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, that's, those are all important. I think mindset is a big part of it. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. For for me, this is like what I struggled with the longest because. You're still struggling with it. I still struggle with it. You know, a lot of, a lot of people that, and again, this is like kind of stereotyping a little bit, generalizing, but you know, a lot of people that are in the trades have broken backgrounds, Right. It came from rough backgrounds. And so that head trash carries over into your business. And if you don't address it, if you don't deal with it, if you don't confront it, it can it can affect your business. If you're if you're a people pleaser, you know, I've been interviewed people and they're like, uh, and I'll be like, hey, how do you deal with customers and stuff? Like, well, I don't leave a job until they're completely happy. Well, that could actually be a problem because if they're like, oh, I want you to fix this and do this, and can you do this while you're here? And you just start doing all kinds of free stuff because you don't want to displease them, right? Like if you're people, your your whole mentality is to like make them happy based on some childhood trauma that you went through, then that that actually could be harmful to your business, right? So there's there's all this mindset stuff that you have to peel away and fix it and and uh, and get the and not even like mindset dealing with bad stuff. It's like mindset around the business, being a businessman. Like there's an entire different mindset around making money, around being profitable, around, you know, why, why making money is not a bad thing. Like that's, that's some of the stuff I had to deal with. One of the mindset things is like, I can't afford it. We can't afford it. You know, like I, I grew up pretty poor. Like I remember eating cans of mushroom soup every night for like a week. And like, if I got a box of macaroni and cheese, it was a treat. You know what I mean? Like, so like, hey, we can't afford it. Like, so that gets set into your mind when you're a kid, all of a sudden, like, oh, I can't afford it. Like, hey, we need to buy this piece of machinery so we can be more efficient, so we can make more money, we can be profitable. Oh, I can't afford it. It's like, you have to be able to shelf that mindset thing and really be logical behind it. And to understand, like if you're trying to scale your business and you have that mindset, I can't afford it, it that can really hold you back. So, I mean, I, I think mindset's great. I'm glad you brought that up. And who's going to teach that at contracting school? Like no one. Well, I mean, I could probably teach it. This podcast has been officially sponsored by the Hammer and Grind Contracting School, LLC. I'm just kidding. I'm just bullshitting. We're not. I'm just, this is, I'm just bullshitting. I mean, there's, what else? There's other stuff besides mindset. I mean, there's, and the and the numbers and the marketing and sales. I mean, there's HR stuff. HR, like, I was I, just going to say that, man. HR is crazy. But I said it first. I know. I said it before you. You're a winner, man. You're a winner. What can I say? But that's a big deal. 
Yeah. You got to know how to hire people. You got to know how to fire people. You got to know the mm -hmm. right people to hire. I mean, there's all kinds. And I think it's important that you don't have to like know everything, every single thing about this, but you have to know enough to like, if you can hire a company that does this for you, can you outsource this? Can you outsource that? That's fine. But you still got to know what, what, whether or not they know what they're talking about or they're going to deliver a good product. There's, there's so, when it comes to marketing, there are so many 20-year-olds that think they're professional marketers that are going to, you know, charge you X amount per month and then bring you all this business to your business. And it's like, they just like use every keyword they can, waste all your ad budget in the first month. And it's like, oh, look, I brought you 476 uh, leads in the first month. And it's like, yeah, but... I don't even build swimming pools. Yeah. You're like, okay, sit down, Jeff. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Listen, this is, this is what's crazy about that. Like some of the things that I had to learn, if I would have known that I had to do some of the stuff that I do, I might not have got into business. For my, I might not have gone as hard into construction as I thought. You know, like when you have, when you have a handful of employees or a dozen employees, suddenly like, you're a father figure, you're a best friend, you're a shoulder to cry on, you're a, you know, you're a bank, and all of a sudden you're lending them money, pay advances. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Like you really have to understand the psychology of your employees. And if you're creating culture, which is, I mean, that, that would be, that's, be, that's an entire curriculum part right there, creating culture in your business. Yeah, culture is, you know, absolutely important. You can sometimes, and this is crazy too, Eric, it's not always about money, right? I mean, sometimes people may leave a job and come work for you for less money, but because you've created a culture that they want to be a part of. So are you going to take a class on like human studies and all that stuff and how to create culture? You're going to go like go on mission or trips to like Africa and learn about, you know, different cultures and how to, <laughs> how to bring them into you because... I mean, I got a I got a crash course in culture when I joined the military because it's a melting pot of cultures, you know, races, ethnicities, like everything you can possibly imagine. It's all mixed into one thing. And there were, you know, there were lots of heated debates around stuff. There were, you know, because people are different. And most of us don't, you know, if we go to a high school and maybe there's, you know, there's different cultures in there, but you're not exposed to like, every single culture that's out there, right? Like you're, you're maybe exposed to two or three. When you go in the military, like you're exposed to everything. And I mean, every, every walk of life you could possibly imagine is in the military. And so for me, it was, a, it was a great experience on how to deal with different people. But most people never get that experience. And then they start hiring people of different cultures, different backgrounds, all that stuff. And they struggle with it. Yeah, they haven't they haven't been exposed to it. And like back to that, if if I'd have known, like I have to be a referee, I have to be an umpire, I have to be a coach, I have to be a quarterback, you know, I have to be the runner, I have to be the water boy. Like you have to be you have you you have to do a lot of different things. You're like, I just wanted to be a quarterback. I just wanted to go around and, and you know, build things and make people happy. But you have to, you know, you have to be offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. You have to be, you have to understand all these positions. And some of the things we're talking about, like in my business right now, like I'm not doing my accounting. I'm not doing a, a lot of these things. Like parts of my production, I'm not doing any longer because I've trained someone to be able to handle that and then hire a production manager. And like these things are my, we're working on constantly, right? 
but I had to kind of like have to have an understanding an understanding of leadership. Leadership is definitely a part of the curriculum. What what is a leader? How do you lead? Like that's got to be a, definitely a part of it. I had to buy a book, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was like words to use as a leader or something like that. It was just a book of like how to use sentences to to, to be a leader. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't. It, there's a have you seen ever seen those military memes where it's like guys gotten out of the military and he's trying to have a job and it's like you can't you can't say this and it was like a guy's like get your get your ass over here and get to work right now instead you have to say hey billy it would be really great if you would if you would come over and join me and you know work on this project it was like a meme of like what you can't do what you should do that's kind of what this book is and it was like you know word tracks or something for leadership or something. I, I can't remember what it is, but it was all a book on how to, what, what words to use to encourage people and, and all this stuff. I mean, that goes back to psychology and culture and all this stuff. And, and you literally can't learn that unless you, you, you get into it. And, and dude, being contractor is hard. And, and any contractor that's listening to the podcast right now, I mean, dude, bro, chick, girl, like, this is, you're not alone. This is hard. And this, this is why, one of the reasons why Brad and I are so passionate about the Hammer and Grind movement, about the Profit Club, about, you know, the, the, the Profit Group, all these contracting groups that we're like being involved in. That's why we're so passionate about it. Because we love what we do. We love working with our hands. We love helping people. And that's where we're not going to start a construction school. If you're like, don't, do not hit me up in the DM about starting the construction school. We have groups and uh, coaching programs and stuff. We're not starting a school, Brad. We're not doing it. I was going to ask you when it's, when it's going to go live. No, dude. No. <laughs> I'm just totally joking. But I'm passionate enough about it that, that I love that. I, true story. I've thought about if I got to the position where I could having like an apprenticeship school where somebody could, if they wanted to hire like laborers, right? New people, apprentice, they could hire someone, send them to us and we would teach them all of the basic stuff, like how to read a tape measure, how to use a hammer, how to use a saw, like all the very basic stuff. They'd pay us a fixed amount. It would be like a four week school or eight week school or whatever. And we would train them on all the basic stuff and then send them back to their company. I mean, that's great. I've actually talked about some, I've talked with other coaches about doing that exact same thing. And I think it's a really cool idea. Dude, I can't tell you when I was a framer back when I was cool, back when I was young, back when I had long hair, back when I was young. Is that when you, when you were riding BMX bikes? No, bro. I was a skateboarder. Get the shit right. I thought you did. I thought you did BMX. No, I didn't do BMX. I was Dogtown, bro. I'm old. Skateboarding. Oh, you just wore your hat like a BMX rider. That's what it okay, is. Okay, yeah. Straight bill. <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes you're dealing with someone and they've been in the business for a while. They've been in the trade for a while. They can't even really read a tape measure correctly. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'll literally punch you in the nuts right now. You can't read the tape measure? That's what my apprentice did. My apprentice could not read a tape measure like very well. I mean, he could like count the ticks. You know what I mean? But he couldn't look at it and know it was three sixteenths. <laughs> And that's why you wanted to punch him in the nuts when he's standing on top yeah. of the ladder? Yeah. Dude, I would, have, I would have literally knocked him off the ladder. I'm pretty sure I've threatened his life like, I don't know, 27 times. 
<laughs> I do that. I don't know why. I don't know why he's still working for me because I did. <laughs> I did kind of treat him like crap, but he was in a he was an apprentice. That's what they get, bro. You've definitely threatened me with my life twenty seven times. I've threatened you with a good time. <laughs> Listen, man, this is this is an important topic to me. I. You know, we've talked about a lot of different things. We've talked about the end of the world, the crash of the economy, you know, how how schools have let our children down and all this stuff. Like, but the bottom line is contracting's hard. You know what I mean? Bring it home, Eric. Bring it home. Come on, bring it home. Dude, contracting's fucking hard, man. I mean, you, you really need you need some help. I mean, the, I only really got things going because I asked for help. I asked for coaching. I asked for, you know, like I w- I got to the top level and I asked for more help. You know, it's like some, some people don't figure that out or they, they don't have the perseverance. Like, I mean, I just, I just want contractors to know they're not alone. And then, you know, part of the support system that we've created is really an avenue to kind of learn some of this stuff. We're not going to start a curriculum. We're not starting a school. We're not going to charge 160 grand a year to come and learn how to be you know, a contractor who makes, you know, 120,000 a year. But we, we do offer a lot of support for this kind of stuff. Listen, I'm going to tell you a true story. When I, the only reason, this, and literally the only reason why I'm still in business today is because when I started my business, I had just got married and we, figured and we bought a house. And so we figured when we bought the house and all that, it was, it, we based it solely on my wife's income. Okay. I had to bring in like, I think it was maybe a thousand dollars a month of income, $250 a week, which is like nothing. Like that's, that was, that was what I had to contribute in order to cover all of our expenses. And so for like the first six years, literally like the first six years, I didn't hardly pay myself anything. Like for the first four or five years, I was making like 27000 a year, which is below poverty. Right. That's the only reason why. It wasn't because I was smart and knew all these things and I went to contracting school. It's because we were smart enough to set up my, the, our expenses so that I didn't have to have any income. But I also used that as a crutch as to why I didn't need to you know, get better at my, at my business because I could survive. I could live without really having to produce too much. You were satisfied with the spot where you were at and it was like the lowest level you could live without, without people teasing I wasn't you. Satis- I wasn't satisfied with it, but it was like, I didn't know what I was doing. So it was, that was the byproduct. The byproduct was I was working my ass off, but I wasn't really getting anywhere because I didn't know how much to charge. I didn't know how to do my books. Uh, I didn't know how to do manage cash flow. I made some stupid decisions early on. I bought a van for a guy that, that was on a loan. I bought a bunch of toolbox. I had credit cards. You know, I had $10,000. I have all this. I was cash poor because I had all of these expenses. Like I was telling you earlier, that's from, that's from experience. I had all these expenses and I was cash poor. So I was like, basically I was breaking even for like the first four years of my business. This is the genius part of it. Okay. Somehow, maybe it's idiot savant, you got lucky, but somehow you ended up with a beautiful, smart woman with an amazing job bringing in some bank. She's your sugar mama. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know how, but yes, that is true. Uh, Bethany's your sugar mama. No, I mean, this, yeah. this is cool. I mean, but here's the thing. You know why? Because there was no, like, you're pretty smart, dude. I, I feel like, like you're pretty intuitive about some things. If there was a construction school, after the first year and a half, you're getting your ass kicked. You probably went, hey, I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to get my shit together. I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to pay 20000 a year or 40000 a year and get, get things together. Like, nope. there was no nope. such a thing. I, didn't, I wouldn't have done it. I had too much ego. I had too much pride and ego. I was like, I can do this on my own. Well, I, like you said, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I'm smart, but I'm, I'm good at figuring things out. I like figuring things out. So you're smart, but you're stupid. I'm smart, but I'm stupid. That's true. That's very true. Like if I would have got a mentor or if I would have gotten a coach earlier on in my career, that's why I've said I've cheated myself out of over a million dollars, probably more like $2 million in, in the last 10 years. Because I didn't get a coach until like later on. I didn't get, uh, you know, I, did, I had so much head trash, you know, mindset, right? I had so much stuff around... I can't charge this much. So, it, it, I mean, I did it wrong for so many years. It's because I'm st- I, I have so much persistence is the only reason why I'm still here. That's why you're so smart of what not to do because you've, you've done it wrong. And I was going to say that that, that first six years was all mind hit, mind hit, mindset stuff. All head trash, like... Well, I don't want to charge people too much. Oh, my wife makes enough money. Like that, that I don't want to say it made you complacent, but it kind of did, right? And well, so, I said it was, yeah. it, it was, it, it, uh, it gave me reason not to have to work as hard. It's like, you, you know, because it, it required me to get uncomfortable in order to grow. And I didn't want to be uncomfortable. And I don't know what the saying is, but there's a saying it's like people will live in misery. Because even though it's uncomfortable to be in misery, it's even more uncomfortable to change. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so they'll just stay in that misery because they don't, they don't they're afraid of what the change is going to be. They don't want to get more uncomfortable. Even though it's, it sucks where they're at, they've created a life around that and they don't have to change. Stepping outside of the comfort zone, which you're terribly uncomfortable, is more uncomfortable than, it's like the pain and pleasure principle right there. Exactly. It's more painful to step outside of the pain that I'm in because it, so that you don't do it. Yeah, it's crazy. So I don't know, that was a little weird twist at the end, but I just want to say that if I had a coach or even a mentor that I would have, because uh, honestly, the first, I mean, I had a coach a couple years in. He, he was, I mean, he was okay, but it was like basic, you know, coaching stuff. I didn't really look at getting a, like a construction coach until I was probably about two and a half years ago. So, I had coaches over the years, but none of them were construction coaches. And there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. Be, because you can hire a business coach, but if the, construction is different than any other type of business. It's different than retail or, you know, online businesses or B2B or whatever. It's just different. And so if you don't have someone who's in the trades working it, I mean, they could have some good advice on some like accounting things, but it's totally different. It's true. That, and it's true. I'm glad you said that because when I had uh, our retail businesses you know, over a decade ago, probably 18 years ago, we hired a, a retail business coach and I was already doing construction and he was trying to like give us both advice. And I'm like, everything he said just like didn't line up. It didn't mesh. It didn't, didn't work really. 
uh, he, he made some really cool improvements for us in our retail businesses, but it didn't translate over to construction. And so that's, that's important that you said so. And, and I was going to tell you, like, I remember, like, my, the first person I really mentored was probably 2009, around that, that, that time. And someone just really was like, I want you to help me. I'm coming out to California and I just want you to kind of show me the ropes. I want to start a construction business in, in ponds. And I was like, cool, come on out. And I didn't, I, I didn't really, it didn't really hit me, you know, like, like it hits me now, you know, and, and over the years I've had that happen several times and it made me realize like, Hey, like I've really been through the school of hard knocks. I've been through enough. I've built a brand that I, I do have some stuff that I can share. I do have some stuff that I can teach. And it's been fun along the way. And that's why, you know, the hammer and grind movement that we're involved in right now is, is so special to me. Well, I know we have lots more stories we could tell, but we do need to kind of wrap this one up. So I think the, uh, you know, the, my parting uh, wisdom from my own stupidity is f- get help early and often. Yeah, amen to that. Listen, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go on a uh, a pitchy thing right now, but we have a free Facebook group. It's a contractor profit uh, group, and you know we share a lot of these things in there. It's just kind of insightful things, and of course we have our paid our paid group, uh, the Profit Club. That, that's not necessarily for everyone right away, but you know tiptoe into it. Get into a group, whether you get into one of our groups, our free group, or our paid group, or get into a different group. I don't care. Just reach out to people and get some help. It's really the fastest way to learn from other people's mistakes and and become successful and not be part of the 96% that are taking digger. And we want you in that 4%. We want you to win. So you got any final words? Listen, uh, yeah. If you want to learn about uh, why 96% of businesses fail, construction businesses, 96% of construction businesses fail in the first 10 years. You can go to our website. It's the same one, hammergrind.com forward slash the profit club. We got a free training on there that kind of lays out uh, what happens to contractors and how to prevent it from happening. So go check out that free training. You have to put in your name, your phone number, and all that stuff. We won't spam you with a bunch of junk, but there's some free training in there, um, and uh, it's some pretty good stuff. Yeah, I agree. That was a real fun thing to to produce. So. Well, that's it. I'm going to get us out of here. Thank you so much for spending time with us tonight on the podcast. We, we really hope you're realizing the content that we're putting out is because we want you to win. We want you to win more than you want yourself to win. That's, that's a really the mission behind what we're doing. So make the world a better place. Share the podcast with some other contractor uh, people that you know. And uh, let's, let's get better at being better. So we'll catch you on the next episode.